As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I got to say, um, first off, if you see a little mark on my lip, it's the weirdest thing my wife said to me. I'm like, every single time I eat a bowl of Wendy's chili, I get this mark on my lip. I think it's their spoon or something. I don't know. But um, anyway, I am excited today. I have a very, very awesome lady on the show today that you guys, you guys will see here very soon. She's amazing. Um, you know, I think this is episode number, it's either 149 or 150. Um, and, and I think you're going to be really surprised by, by the story you're about to hear. So I want to welcome my good friend. Uh, I, I, and I, I, we're not that good of friends, but we're friends on Facebook. I've been watching her. She's amazing. Christine Moore, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm very honored to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So, um, and, and you, you know, I mentioned this to you, you look like you're ready for the red carpet right now. So, so thanks for getting all dressed up. Yeah. Just for you, Ken, just for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I created this show back, you know, and I told you I've got 16 and a half years of of recovery and sobriety. And, and, you know, I thought I I gotta, I gotta give back more to the world. And, and, and that's not a play on your last name, but, but I, I've got to give back to the world and, and I've been very, very blessed. And so I, I started this show. Um, to help people have a breakthrough, to get stuck in life. And, and we've all been stuck, all yes. of us, right? Yes. Um, and that's, so that's what this is about. So let's start. I want everybody to hear your story and, and your achievements and overcomings and, and all of that. So let's start with um, where you were born and raised. Okay, sure. So I was born in Garland, Texas, which is 
outside of the Dallas Fort Worth area. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do you want to know? You want to know about you're, you're in Austin right now, aren't you? Yeah, I moved to Austin in '99 to go to UT. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so you um, you were raised outside of Dallas. I was raised outside of Dallas in a really good home. I had a great childhood growing up. Both parents. Um, I was raised uh, in a Christian church. Um, I was a gymnast and a ballet dancer, so I had a lot of structure and discipline growing up. And um, yeah, so life was good. And I never in a million years thought that addiction would be a part of my life. That's wow. for sure. Well, mm-hmm. and 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 we'll get in into that, but. So yeah. you 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 so you grew up in in the perfect household it sounds like or close pretty to much it. I mean it wasn't perfect but I yeah. mean I was very blessed um, never suffered any type of abuse or neglect um, just you know I was very involved in gymnastics I was a competitive gymnast I was well on my way to getting a scholarship in college so um, I had a great coach who basically was my figure in my life so I have I honestly have no complaints about my childhood wow so um so you grew up in 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 a in a pretty good childhood you went to school in Garland you went to yeah I went to a private school and I was in church every Sunday and Wednesday and Bible studies youth groups uh just you know really just just a great life to be honest with you and then you, you moved to Austin to go to college? I did, yeah. So in high school, I walked away from my faith a little bit, started hanging out with the wrong crowds. I had a boyfriend who was a drug user. And I thought at the time I was very naive <laughs> and thought I could change him. Um, but, of course, as we all know, the, the negative people will always drag us down. And so... I um, was him was I was with him for about two years, and then finally one day I woke up and I said, you know what, enough is enough, and I I valued myself and I decided I was gonna kind of start over, have a fresh start. And a friend of mine lived in Austin, was going to UT, and she's like, hey, why don't you come down here, and we'll be roommates and go to school. And I was like, okay. So I moved to Austin <laughs> in '99. And that was it. You just said, that okay, was it. Yeah. I'm on my way. Yeah. Wow. So, so did you graduate then from, from college? I did. It's kind of interesting. I majored in theater and dance and I wanted to be a professional ballet dancer and go to New York and be a starving dancer and all of that. That was my dream. And, um, I met my husband while I was in school. He's older than I am. He's 13 years older. Okay. And so he was already established. He had a furniture store that he ran and he, he, uh, we met at the gym and it's kind of interesting because when I saw him, you know, he's one of those like big bodybuilder guys. Yeah. And I was like, oh, heck no. <laughs> <Because> I, <laughs> yeah. I, at that time, I was like, no, no, I'm not into that at all. Right. And then one day he uh, he was on the machine next to me and he just started talking to me. And I realized quickly that, oh, okay, it's just a front. He's really a soft teddy bear yeah. on the inside. <laughs> so. <laughs> We got married one year to the date we met. Wow. And so life changed a little bit for me. Instead of going to New York, we decided to stay in Austin. Wow. Very yeah. cool. My, um, my, I don't know if you see the posts on, on Facebook or not, but my, my little girl is a, um, 
She's huge into dance and gymnastics. She's a competitive uh, dancer, actually. She's yeah. eight, eight and a half years old. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So, um, and that's a crazy, like, my wife, like, you know, they're like, we're going to a nationals thing, and, like, they oh, yeah, it's me. Huge. For, <laughs> it's unreal. It's huge. I oh, know. Oh, my gosh. I it's, know. it's crazy. So, um, so along the way, um, so you went to college, you got married, you graduated with a degree yeah. in theater? Theater and dance. Yeah, okay. theater and dance. Okay, wow. Um mm-hmm. What was the next step then? Was it having children or was it getting a job? Uh, no, it was working. Um, I was teaching dance to young children, and I did that for a few years, but uh, teaching dance doesn't exactly pay the bills. Yeah. And uh, my, my husband and I at the time wanted to buy a house, and so I decided to go and work for Corporate America and um, during that time, I got into fitness competitions, okay. and I really enjoyed it because it was a way for me to utilize my dance and gymnastics background, and my husband was basically, he had been a bodybuilder back in the 80s, and so he knew how to weight train, and he taught me, and I saw a lot of changes happen quickly in my body, and so I went to go and compete, and I actually ended up doing really well, placing in the top five in the world at two different competitions, and I think it was 2002 and 2003. Wow. And uh, my husband, actually, it's kind of funny. At the time, he didn't want kids at all. And I thought to myself, well, I'm young, so maybe when I turn 30, then I'll decide if I want kids. Right. And it's kind of funny because at age 30, when I turned 30, three weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And it was a blessed surprise. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So, so the, 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 the children started happening and, right. and, and along the way, did you start seeing like you bought the, I'm assuming you bought a house, you got yep. all of that started happening for you guys. Yeah. Um, and, and so at 30 years old, so that made your husband 43. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know what though? My I'm 50 and my daughter's eight. So do the math. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you, um, you started, so you had your, your first child at 30 ish. Yes. Right in that area. Okay. Um, and then what, so how did life go from there? Were you still working in corporate America? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, So I was working in corporate America, um, and I was doing fitness competitions. This is, so this, I just have to rewind a little bit before my first child. I was working in corporate America, doing a job that definitely I did not enjoy one bit. I was not utilizing my gifts, and I was basically doing regulatory work in medical research, which the medical research part was very interesting, Mm -hmm. but... Um, I was, my job was to basically check all the paperwork and I was in an office with no windows, no people around me, no interaction. And it just, I was just in a kind of in a funk. I didn't like the job and my husband and I were kind of struggling financially with his business. And so we were arguing a lot and, um, 
And so uh, my husband actually, he uh, suffered an elbow injury at work one day. He was lifting heavy furniture and he hurt his arm. Mm. And so he went to the doctor and the doctor prescribed him a mild painkiller. And um, he's the type of person that doesn't really take any type of medication. But he went ahead and got it filled just in case. Right. And I remember one day I was getting ready for work and I saw the bottle of pills sitting on the counter. And I just thought to myself, hmm, I'm going to try one. I'm going to see how it makes me feel. Really? Yeah. And And no previous, nothing, that just that, that moment. That moment. Wow. Yeah. I know. And so the best way that I can describe it is I took it, I took one pill, and it made me feel like I had had a big glass of coffee and a big glass of wine (laughs) mixed together. So I felt great. I had energy. I just felt like I could do anything, and, and and it was great. But I didn't get addicted right away. I just took it every now and then, like when my husband and I would have our date nights on the weekend, I would take one and have a glass of wine, and it, you know, I was in a really good mood. Yeah, right. And um, but then uh, a couple of years into that is when I was in my job that I was not liking, and my husband and I were arguing, and I was just in a funk. Yeah. Just you know, everybody goes through that every now and then, you yeah. know. Yeah. And so at that time, I decided I was going to start taking these pills every day. Just to cope with that season of my life. I wasn't thinking it would be long term. I just thought, I don't know, a couple weeks, month, maybe. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. And so I was I was getting it from different doctors. I was getting it on through online pharmacies, which that's a whole nother talk we could do about that, the dangers of that. But that's how I was getting it. Wow. And so then that's when I became physically addicted because I was taking it every day, yeah. several times a day. Yeah, yeah. And so um, about two weeks into it, I thought to myself, what am I doing? This is crazy because I, I knew that I was turning into a drug addict. Mm. And um, so I said, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm not doing this anymore. And I became very, very sick. I had all the withdrawal symptoms, shakiness, uh, vomiting. I mean, just I felt like I had the flu times a thousand. So but, 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 let, 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 let me back up for let me yeah. just I want to ask you a couple of questions about that, because, yeah, you know, being in recovery myself, I've been through I've seen it. I've seen I've I've seen it all. I've you know, addicts, alcoholics were all made up of the the same, same kind of, you know, thinking or whatever. And, and, you know, with, there was nothing, you're saying there was absolutely nothing that led up to, like, there wasn't a time where you drank too much and you thought, man, I I function way better as a drunk. (laughs) There was a couple of parties in high school where I had too much strawberry hill. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was one time, there was no Strawberry Hill, and someone went out and got Mad Dog 2020. Oh, my God. And I wow. was so sick. So, yeah. I mean, I 
but it was nothing like I didn't do any type of hardcore drugs. Right. It's just, you know, a little peer pressure and drinking too, a little bit too much. Yeah. Nothing yeah. major, you know, nothing that would um, lead me to think, oh, you know, I need to watch out. I might have an issue. Right. Wow. Yeah. And, and there's just no that, family history of it either. Just that one day you decided... Yep. Wow, that's that's crazy. I mean, I, I don't mean it, that in a bad way. It's just like no, it is crazy. Wow. I agree with you. There, because I I didn't like it, it. For me, it was a progressive thing. Like, and then sure. you know, but okay. So so you and and you said a couple of weeks after you start, like, is when you decided to quit. Yeah. So I had been taking the pills every day, for several a times weeks. a day. Yeah, for about a couple of weeks. Okay. And I just thought to myself, what am I doing? This is crazy. This is not who I am. I'm becoming a drug addict. Wow. And so I was. I decided, okay, I've had enough. I'm stopping. And you got and really sick. Really sick. And, by the way, wasn't telling a soul. My husband didn't even know. My family. Wow. Nobody knew. And I was functioning fine, like, you know, just like I'm talking to you now. Yeah. It was, but nobody knew. Nobody knew because I was a functioning addict. Wow. Mm -hmm. So so where did it go from there? Did everything got better? You cleaned up and life was perfect. I wish. No. (laughs) So so, um, I was sick and and I was telling everybody I had the flu Mm. and that went on for about less than a week, maybe four or five days. And then I decided I cannot handle this. And so I got back on the pills. Mm. And this time, I wasn't even getting high. There was no reward. It was only to not get sick. Wow. Which is an awful place to be. Yeah. And I mean, I would have to take them just to be able to function and feel just normal. Wow. Yeah. So, so you got back on them, you, um, and, and, and that was it though, was you, you were just on the pain pills, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I happen to know some people that, that went down that path. Oh yeah. Um, And thank God I, I never did. I I mean, I enjoyed pain pills. Don't get me wrong, but but it wasn't, I I didn't enjoy it enough to like, you know, um, but so, so what happened from there? Because as you and I both know, that is not a sustainable track to be on. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, so I would say for probably the next two or three years, I took them every day and I was able to, I mean, I was working, so I was able to afford them, but I had to hide it. So my Mm. husband wouldn't be able to know what was going on. And so what I was doing is I was opening up credit cards and he was not aware of them. Oh wow! And so that's how I was able to, to pay for it and hide it. And, um, you know, then I had to go open like a PO box and go and have the drugs delivered there so they wouldn't come to my home. Jeez. I know. So it's like it was a whole nother second job of trying to cover up this lie. And um, so then in 2007, I find out I'm pregnant. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Again. And was, no, no, no. Oh, this oh. Person. oh, this is when. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 2007 is my first son. And, okay. Um, 
and I was terrified because I was taking like 15 pills a day. Oh, wow. And, um, and so at that time, I was able to taper off the pills on my own. Mm. And it was awful, And but I was able to blame my withdrawals on morning sickness. Uh, That's yeah. how I was able to get around that lie. And so I was able to taper down. I had my son, and he was perfectly fine, which is a miracle. Yeah. And then at that time, I was a mess because I wasn't sleeping. Uh, my, my son was waking up every hour. I was having issues with breastfeeding. I had a little bit of um, postpartum depression. And, yeah. and so I went to my doctor, and I told her, listen, I feel like I'm going crazy. I'm not sleeping. My mind is it's not right. And she said, okay, no big deal. What I can do for you is I can give you sleeping pills, Ambien. Oh, God. Yeah. And now keep in mind, I was not honest with her about my previous issue. With the <laughs> right. right. Otherwise, I'm sure there's no way she would have prescribed What? That. An addict that's not yeah. telling the truth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh. And uh, so the Ambien worked great. Uh, but within two to three weeks, my body had already started building up a tolerance to this drug, yeah. which meant I had to take more yeah. in order to be able to sleep. Right. And then if I didn't take the Ambien, I did not sleep. I mean, it screwed up my body big time. Wow. So then I found myself getting back into that same cycle of addiction, having to go doctor shopping, trying to find it online, hiding it from everybody. And this time, my husband is starting to catch on because Ambien has major side effects. Oh, really? That are very, very obvious. So I would take it at night when I was, you know, starting to get ready for bed, and then I would have conversations with my husband, and he wouldn't remember, or I wouldn't remember those conversations the next day. <sighs> or I would go and get something to eat and bring it to bed, and there'd be crumbs everywhere in the bed. Um, I mean, just, it was pretty obvious. I mean, I would slur my speech. It was like I had a bunch of, a bunch of drinks basically. Uh, and so this from is Ambien, huh? From Ambien. Yeah. I did not, I did not realize Ambien had that, that sort of power. Oh yeah. Oh wow. yeah. And so my husband's starting to catch on. And mm. so the trust is no longer there, which means my marriage is really, not going well at all. Wow. And um, so this goes on for two and a half years. Wow. And then I find out I'm pregnant again. Oh, my. And, yeah. And so. And you're hooked and you're hooked on Ambien. This hooked time. on Ambien. Yeah. Wow. So By I the get, way, I, another friend of mine in Austin just jumped on Crystal Ray. I don't know if you guys know each other, but she's, okay. she's awesome. Hey, Crystal, how are you? <laughs> Thanks for watching. Um, so, yeah, then I find out I'm pregnant, and I try the same thing I did before, trying to get off, but this time, I couldn't do it. Uh, I couldn't do it at all. It was so awful. The, mm -hmm. the, the withdrawals were just, I mean, ugh. I just, mm, wow. I, I have shivers going down my spine thinking about it. Um, so this, So now I decide to finally come out. And tell everybody. I tell my husband. I tell my family. And I say, I need help. I have to get help. Because I don't want to be 
that mom addicted to drugs, pregnant, you know? Yeah. And um, so I was uh, at that time I was extremely depressed mm. and um, my doctor at the time told me that I should check myself into Shoal Creek, which is a, a psych hospital. And uh, wow. so I find, yeah. So I checked myself into Shoal Creek and um, I was four months pregnant, addicted to drugs, depressed, suicidal. And I remember I was staying up on the fifth floor. I had the corner room on the fifth floor and you could see downtown Austin. And I just remember sitting there thinking, how did this happen? How did my life get to this point? Because I had been a young, vibrant woman with a lot of dreams and goals. And here I am, a drug addict. I'm a pregnant. gymnast and a dancer yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and a degree in, it, in, in theater and dance. and, and, and Fitness competitions, place in fifth in the world. I that's mean, That's crazy. And here yeah. you are, a drug addict. Yes. In a treatment facility. Yeah, or in a, a psych hospital. Psych hospital. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. different than a treatment facility. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, way different. So, yeah. Wow. You went, yeah. like, you fell hard. I mean, you went down. You fell. Yeah, 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 I did. And we and all so did that. I, um, I spent, a, a spent, I want to say, about a week there. They tapered me off and got me off the drugs. And then a few months later, I had my son. And... um he was, he was perfectly fine. It's, it's truly a miracle. Um, I remember when I was pregnant with my second son, I had a doctor and he was a believer. And I remember going in for one of my appointments and he took his hands and he laid his hands on my stomach and prayed over my son wow. that one drug would touch his body. Oh my and gosh. yeah, and my son was born and he was perfectly healthy. Oh Not one issue. So, um, so I had a chance for a fresh start, you know, and my doctor's like, okay, we're, they're going to do this. And, um, so I, um, I did, I would be sober for a few months and then I would relapse sober for a few months, relapse. So it's like, I was trying so hard, but then something would happen and boom, find myself back into using. And it was back and forth, back and forth. And, and th th this is after you had both of your, your two Correct. sons. Correct. Wow. So, yeah. So I had been in, you know, outpatient programs. I had tried a few different detox centers. And, um, you know, my husband, he was supportive through the whole thing. I mean, obviously, he was struggling. He had a lot of resentment because, you know, I was putting so much uh, pressure on him to help with the kids and provide and so I put my husband through a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I remember there was two different times where um, I woke up in the hospital because I had accidentally overdosed from Ambien. Wow. Yeah, because what would happen is I would, I would take the Ambien, go to bed, then wake up in the middle of the night in like a zombie state and take more, not knowing I was taking more, oh. and end up taking a whole bottle. Oh my a God. And so it's a miracle that I'm even here. It is. But my, my, uh, my rock bottom moment came when, uh, my boys were four and two and I had been, you know, 
back and forth, back and forth. And I knew I was at a point in my life where I was going to die if I didn't take drastic measures to get sober. And so what I did is I, um, I decided to check myself into a 30-day inpatient drug rehab facility. And I, I knew I had to get serious. So I, I leave my children, which was really, really hard to do. And I go in to this rehab, and it was like the best thing I've ever done, but the hardest thing I've ever done. And uh, four days before I was to graduate from this program and go home and get back with my family, somehow pick up the pieces and start over, um, I was sitting in one of my recovery support group classes that day, and my counselor told me I had an urgent call that I needed to go down to the admission building right away because there was someone there to see me. And so I walked down to the admission building, and there's a sheriff there standing in the walkway. And he looks at me, and he goes, are you Mrs. Moore? I said, yes, I am. And he said, Mrs. Moore, I'm here because I'm serving you divorce papers from your husband. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah. Yeah. And so as he was explaining it, I, I said, okay, you know, I get it. My, I put my husband through hell. He just can't do it anymore. I mean, he, he's broken, too, because yeah. addiction yeah. doesn't just affect the person addicted. It's the whole family. Yes, it is. And so, you know, he just was in a place where he just couldn't do it anymore. And uh, But what I was not prepared for was what happened next, which is he then served me a restraining order. So that meant that I couldn't go home after rehab, and I could not go anywhere near my children. Mm. Nowhere near my children. And CPS had become involved at this point. I mean, it was um, it was ugly. It was a mess. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, um, I don't remember much of our conversation with the sheriff after that. But what I do remember is going back to the room that I was staying in and falling to my knees next to my bed and just sobbing. And I just remember shaking my fist, shaking my fist at God and saying, Why? Why am I, why is this happening? You know, I'm in here. I'm trying to get help. How is it that I'm losing everything that's important to me? Wow. And um, so at that, at that, it was probably a couple hours later after sulking and, you know, having a pity party for myself that I said, okay, God, you know what? Enough. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to surrender because I, I, I put myself here. These, no one forced pills down my throat, and I made poor choices, and I'm going to take responsibility for where I'm at. And that was a hard thing to do because there was a lot of outside triggers that caused me to use. But ultimately, I made the, I made the decision. Yeah. And so that was my rock-bottom moment because I had lost everything that was important to me. And so since that day, I have really been serious about my recovery and been doing the work. And it's been a very long, long journey. Um, it, it's looked like this and yeah. this, this, and this. <laughs> it's been kind of all over the place. And um, it took a while for me to be able to see my kids again. Yeah. Um, I had supervised visitation for a while. And um, basically, when I left that rehab, I had no money, no job. I mean, I would have been homeless, but my mom came and rescued me wow. and allowed me to stay with her while I 
you know, was able to get back up on my feet and find a job and a place to live. And so, um, probably let's see, that was 2012. So 2015, my, uh, my ex-husband and I were really starting to spend more time together because he was starting to trust me again. And, uh, we were spending time together because of our kids and all their functions at school and everything. And, so we decided to um, to get back together, and we got remarried in wow. 2015. Yeah. So I'm very grateful. I'm very, very grateful because not everybody has that story. Right. And I feel very fortunate and blessed. Um, but um, but today I'm I'm now being able to share my experience, strength, and hope. <laughs> and I, I remember after I got sober. I knew that I had, I knew that was going to involve public speaking. And I grew up an introvert, major shy. I mean, I, talking was not my thing. I mean, I was used to being up on stage because I was a ballet dancer and a gymnast, but talking is a whole nother thing. Right. And so I said, okay, how am I going to get over this fear? <laughs> and I started doing, I started doing some research and I found Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. And so I joined the club near my home, and I do not say this lightly, but that club has changed my life. Because I remember the first speech I gave, my hands were just trembling <laughs> uncontrollably, and I had to, like, hold on to the lectern. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, But I've been with them for about three years now, and today I actually enjoy speaking, and um, I, I guess I'm kind of good at it because I've won a few contests and I've had the opportunity to share in prisons and churches, rehabs and whoever will have me. And it's just been a huge blessing to be able to now go out and, and help others because that helps me in my recovery. So, uh, you know, I there's a um, there's a comedian in recovery named Mark Lundholm. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or seen him, but I mean, he's funny. And he talks about, um, he said, he says, if you have ever been married to the same person more than once, that automatically qualifies you for recovery or something like that. <laughs> so I, I know so many people in recovery that have been married to the same person more than yeah. once. I know a guy that's been married to the same woman four different times. Like, dude, no way. Yeah, he, they shouldn't be allowed to get a license. They like, should be a learner's <laughs> permit or something. But anyway, so, um, wow, you have a, I did not, I didn't know all of this. So, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. why I wanted to have you on the show because I knew you had a powerful story. So, like, okay, but a couple of the things that I noticed on your website is you're you're a John Maxwell certified um, coach. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So wow. after I'd been in Toastmasters for a little while, I I um, decided I wanted to go to the next level. And so I, someone had introduced John Maxwell. Well, I knew who John Maxwell was anyway. Yeah. But telling me about his, his program, his coaching program. And I thought, I, w I would love to be part of that. And I sat on it for about a year before I made the investment. 
And so I think it was, uh, it was August 2017. I went to Orlando and got certified as a John Maxwell speaker, trainer, and coach. Wow. And that, his books, his training, he's amazing. He's, uh, one of my favorite mentors of all time. And now I'm able to utilize his material. And I've done a, a few masterminds here at my home with a group of women and just poured into them of what I've learned. And they've poured into me because the mastermind is not just about me speaking. It's all of us. Um, That's so incredible. Yeah. The, the crystal crystal just asked you're in Austin. Yes. She's in, yeah. she's in the Austin area, I guess. Yeah, so, so please reach out to me, Crystal. You know, I was just I was just in Austin. I was in Dallas and then Austin um what, 3 months ago, I think, something like that. Okay. I was down there. Lisa Copeland, who's a friend of mine, she's a client of mine. I yep. was down there at her house. She's amazing. Um yeah. so so wow. My my mind is is kind of blown right now. Um not I mean, I you know, I've I've been through a lot. <laughs> and you said something about the, you know, it affects everyone around you and it truly does. It really, truly does. And, yeah. um, I'm sure that you have many women that have reached out to you because they yes. are, you know, in a, an addicted situation or whatever. And, and addiction can run in so many different directions. I mean, I can get addicted to food. I can get addicted oh, yeah, to anything. Absolutely. Like, There's know. so many ways that people suffer with addiction. Yes. And what's interesting is I I do have some people who struggle with addiction that reach out to me. Yeah. But primarily, it's been family members yeah. and loved ones who reach out to me yeah. because they see hope in my story. And it's it's like they just want some type of wisdom, guidance, direction, something they can hold on to to have hope. Yep. So that's primarily who I talk to, actually. You know, there's a chapter in my book. When I wrote my book, one of the chapters is literally titled Surrender. And, yeah. And, you know, it's in that moment of absolute surrender when when we, you know, I, I, and, and again, we all go through that, that process of blaming God, <laughs> you know, yeah, sure. shaking our fists at God. I mean, I remember looking at looking up and going, is that all you got? <laughs> yeah. And then I found out it wasn't. So I never did that yeah. again. Um, but, you know, like it, it, it's it, it's such a difficult process and it really is a process getting there. It is a process. It, it is. And, and it yeah. you know, thankfully for you, it didn't take as long. It took me 25 years to surrender. So it took me 15. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. I know. Well, now look at you though. You're look at the blessings and that's that's incredible. And now you have the opportunity to to help other people. So, yeah. along along your journey, <clears throat> you've met a lot of people because, you know, I know you've also had success in business. Now you're getting into the speaking stuff and you're really I mean, you're, you're killing it. I, I, I see it and I'm just going to speak it over you that you're going to win on a super high level with the Toastmasters Thank stuff. You. Thank I know, you. The next I, one is February 22nd. That's awesome. That's, and, and it's incredible when, when we're ready, right? When we're ready, it's like, God goes, here we go. 
Hang yes. on, here we go. That's right. Get ready. That's right. I literally That's had right. three different organizations reach out to me in a two-day period last week asking me to speak at their their events, and I'm like, but I don't even like do that really. I mean, I will, but <laughs> I know. love that. I know, right? It's like God, right? Yeah, that's God. So, so, so you have come a long way, but along the way, as you see. I don't know if it's just seeing people or people reaching out to you or what, but um, what do you think? What do you think one of the biggest thing is that keeps people stuck? Whether it's stuck in a, in an addiction, whether it's stuck in in um, in a bad relationship, whether it's stuck in and they can't make their business go or their sales grow or whatever. Um, what is it that you think keeps people stuck? Mm, that's a good question. Well, I can just speak from my experience. Uh, the thing that got me stuck is that I was focused too much on myself. Mm. I was always, always in. I was internally. I was just thinking about. I, I would say I probably had. Um, I was struggling with my image and just who I was. I was struggling with um, it, uh, doubt, fear, and not feeling like I was worthy because right. because here I was a, a drug addict, right? And so I just never I know I was so stuck in in, in self pity and 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 really that's selfishness, you know? Because I always thought if I was a victim and I was you know, feeling sorry for myself. How is that selfish? But it really is. Yeah. And and so I I I finally discovered that when I when I surrender, number one, and say, okay, God, basically what that means to me, surrender means emptying out my cup of what everything that I know. So I know that I don't know everything. And so each day I say, okay, God, what do you want to teach me today? And how do you want me to show up and serve others? Because I always tell people if they're struggling and they're going through a hard time in life, the best thing to do is to go and help someone else in need. Amen. And usually nine times out of 10, you'll see that you don't have it so bad. And so it, it's number one is surrender. And then um, fellowship is the next one for me is is surrounding myself with a very very strong support system so for me it's going to aa meetings um it's having mentors in my life that i have aligned with people that i know that i can call at two in the morning or just whenever i'm having a really tough time because in addiction we we isolate yeah. and being alone i know that i can't do anything but with people in my life I know I can make a much bigger impact because I have their support. Wow. I love that. I, uh, in fact, I preach that. I preach that all the time. You yeah. know, I've, I've had over the years, I've, I've, um, I've been in the same exact fellowship that you just mentioned and, and I've had the opportunity to help a lot of, of, you know, a lot of young men and older men to, to, mm -hmm. you know, get sober and, and, and when, um, <laughs> whenever I get that phone call, like, man, I think I'm going to drink. I'm, I can't take it. 
I go, you know what? It's it's because you're you're playing that Willie Nelson song over and over. <laughs> I am always on my mind. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Like all yes. you're thinking about is you. I'm not much, but right. I'm all I think about, you know, and, yes. and when somebody is, is is stuck in that me, 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 that's where you're opening the door for addiction and everything else to come in. And right. and so the best way out of it is what you just said help somebody else. I literally right. had somebody on, on my stream the other day. I was talking about this and, mm -hmm. and this person said, um, I can't find anybody to help. <laughs> I'm like, really? what? what? Walk what? out your door, dude. Like there's people everywhere. You can help everywhere. I mean, yeah. so it's a matter of getting out of yourself for long enough to, to, to actually do it. And you're doing it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, as, so, as soon as I got over myself yeah. and just started sharing my story and just being vulnerable and transparent, yeah. people love that. Yes. And yes. it gives them the courage to finally speak up. And I know when I went, the first time I went into AA meetings, I just sat there yeah. and just listened. And I was just so amazed by the people and their stories and how vulnerable and transparent they were. And that gave me the courage to finally start sharing some of my story, which was not perfect or pretty at all. But that was when the healing process really started for me. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, just start opening up and just sharing from the heart and you will attract the people that need to be in your life. I, re I remember this, this old guy, um, that, that was in a, in a meeting that said, and he was telling his story. He was, you know, it was a lead meeting, what's called a lead meeting. And, uh -huh. and he was sharing his story. And he said, if you want to know the secret to long-term sobriety and to a lifetime of blessings and pure joy, I'll tell you where the secret is. Everybody pay attention. And, and everybody's like, okay, here we go. This guy's got 40 years sober. Like he's been right. sober, sober longer than God. He knows something. Right. And, and so, so we're sitting there and, and he goes, it's in the bottom of the coffee pots. He goes, and if we still smoked at AA meetings, I'd tell you it's in the bottom of ashtrays too. And I was like, what? And, and he's like, before every meeting, come in and help set up. After every meeting, go clean out the coffee pots, put the chairs away, empty the ashtrays, clean them, get everything, get out of yourself and help other people. If you That's do that, it. day after day after day, one day at a time, it'll soon, one day you'll wake up and you'll go, holy crap, I have 40 years clean and sober. That's what right. it's about. Right. And it, it, it brings blessings giving back to others that you, you don't really even does. you don't realize. Yes. Wow. That this is such an amazing you're an amazing. Thank you. I am so grateful you came on on the show. Oh, so thank so you. if let me ask you this and I ask this question of everybody, you know, I've um, I've been through it where the electric's been shut off or or I had a car repossessed or, you know, different things. Right. So I've been through all of these trials. I'm sure you've been through them. Um, mm -hmm. If somebody called you up and they said, I can't figure it out. I, my electric's getting shut off tomorrow. My car was repoed last week. My wife is leaving me. My husband is leaving me. My whatever. It's all falling apart. 
and I don't know what to do. What, what would you say to that person in that moment? Because you and I know whether they're addicted or not, there's something going on there, right? So mm -hmm. what would you say to that person to get them over that hump, that mental hump? Yeah, um, I would I would say be teachable. I had a uh, I went to a meeting Saturday morning, and there's a gentleman there. His name's Colonel Dan. He's probably close pushing ninety years old, and he was celebrating thirty years of sobriety. And he he came in there and he gave a, a small speech, a short talk, and he said that. It's about helping others, being teachable, and, and, and finding those mentors in your life who can help you and, and give you wisdom and then do what they tell you to do. Yeah. And just really, it's, it's about letting go of the ego and pride and just surrendering every day and just saying, God, help me. I mean, that's a simple prayer. And, and then just go and be teachable. That's what I would say. Wow. That's awesome. That's that's incredibly awesome. So any any other words of wisdom to help people get unstuck? You know, I know what it's like to be at the bottom of the bottom. I know what it's like to to lose everything. I mean, my God, I lost custody of my two precious children mm. who were the they are the love of my life and um, I know, I know I've been there and, um, I just want to encourage anybody who's watching this. I want you to know that you're not alone, that, um, there is hope and that for me, it started with surrender every single day. And the journey is day by day. Don't look too far ahead. Just focus on how am I going to get sober or how am I going to stay sober today or how am I going to overcome my struggles just for today? And it, for, and, and it can just be a simple prayer saying, God, help me and just surrender and just empty out your cup and be teachable, be willing to learn. And then the most important of all is go and help someone else in need because that gets you out of yourself and you will go and help them. And it's such a blessing to be able to touch someone's life and have someone say, you know what, because of you, you helped me to do this or that. And that is true fulfillment, in my opinion. Amen. And I got to I, I want to add on to that one little bit. And that yes, is please. you don't have to be an addict or an alcoholic to use these principles. That's right. I, I have helped people who are not addicts or alcoholics. Um, I believe we're all codependent to one degree or another, um, but I've helped a lot of people using very similar principles have an amazing life. So I just want to underscore that because the principles that you and I, you know, I can remember like you, I can remember thinking, how did my life turn into this? Like, this is ridiculous, right? right. I lost everything. And yeah. sometimes you lose things because they really, if you really, really look at it on a deep level, sometimes things are taken away from you because God has something better prepared for you or being Amen. prepared for you. 
That's right. Right? And That's I can right. remember thinking, God, please don't let me lose this relationship back when I first got sober. And, and I wouldn't have my two amazing daughters that I have right. today. I wouldn't have my amazing wife. I wouldn't have what I have today had I hung on to what it was I was losing. And I mean, I was trying everything I knew to manipulate the system to keep that. And it, it <laughs> yeah. wouldn't work. It would not work. So um, right. anyway, Christine, thank you so much for coming absolutely. on. You are absolutely amazing. You, you've been one of my very favorite guests on the show. So thank you so much. I'm honored that you, you, you took the time to come on. So how can everybody follow you? What's the best way? Okay, so I ha I do have a website, Christine okay. H. Moore. So it's spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-H, and then Moore, M-O-O-R-E, mm -hmm. dot com. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find me on Facebook, which is my full n name with my maiden name as well, Christine Halby Moore. And let's see, Instagram is Christine H. Moore. Awesome. Everybody on here, make sure that you go follow Christine on Facebook, on, on everything, like go follow everything. her everywhere. And, and, you know, I don't know if you're maxed out on friends or not, but if not send her a friend request. And I'm sure that if somebody needs help, whether it's coaching they need, or they need direction to overcome their own addictions, you, you will help them. I'm Absolutely. Sure so Listen, thank you so much. Congratulations on your sobriety. And, thank you. And, Same to you. And thank you. And congratulations on your, um, somebody said, please share it in the comments. I can't comment, unfortunately. <laughs> so maybe Christine will go in and share afterwards. In. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, like it's, it's huge what you're doing also with Toastmasters and the public speaking stuff. That's awesome. You rock. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You guys have an awesome day. Thank you very much for being on, Christine. And we will see you guys hopefully tomorrow. All right. Yes. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.